Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. I am Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. Today, we got a special guest. Isn't this cool that we're live, right? I mean, so often, I, I, mean, I know we're normally live, but we're usually like Zoom, but now here we are together. We are in Fitness Quest 10 today. We're in, with one of the top coaches at Fitness Quest 10. <laughs> She's an author. Let me read to you about her book. It's called Choose to Rise. So Choose to Rise is a book about fighting to be the best possible version of yourself and striving to be 1% better every single day in all aspects of life. Jenna Mango has been consistently tested from a young age. Her life takes a turn in high school as she has mental wars with herself to fight through bullying, heartbreak, burnout, abuse, invisible illness, and family struggles. I can't wait to hear more about the invisible illness. You don't always know what people are going through. It doesn't show like some things do. Uh, throughout it all, she finds the strength and confidence within herself to keep moving forward. Jenna vulnerably shares these experiences in the book, and her story encourages you to reflect on your own life. Her advice and wisdom will inspire you to choose to rise. I love this title, <laughs> Overcomers, right? We got a Phoenix logo, right? You know, that's what we're about the journey of people overcoming adversity, living their dreams, choosing to rise. So about the author, let's talk about Jenna. Jenna, I, I just, I got to do you a good tribute. She's, guys, she's a pretty tough gal. I got to tell you about this. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jenna Mango is currently at FQ10. Now that's Todd Durkin and now Jeff Bristol's gym. Okay, they're partners in that. And uh, that's in San Diego. She says a certified personal trainer, but let me tell you how she combines the mind-body. So, Certified personal trainer and performance coach that first had a master's degree from Western Connecticut, excuse me, State University in applied behavior analysis and bachelor's degree from Eastern Connecticut State University in psychology. So applied behavior, psychology and fitness. That's mind body if I've ever heard it. And then she was a former collegiate field hockey player. Upon graduation, she accepted the position of assistant field hockey coach at West Con and spent four seasons with the team. She is also currently a WTBA. Now, you're wondering what that is. That's why I said she's one tough gal. All right, so that's <laughs> World Thai Boxing Association. She's coached uh, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, Master Practitioner, while continuing to train in Hawaiian Kempo, Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, kickboxing, and boxing. Okay. So I'm going to try not to say anything wrong. You may notice I was a little uh, you know, nervous in the introduction. <laughs> I just didn't want to give me a little smackdown, right? But uh, yeah, so Jenna, welcome to the show. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm this excited. is super exciting. I'm super excited. This is great. You know, it's just so fun the way that things happen coming out here and then being able to interview you. Uh, this, this book, Choose to Rise, I, I think it really gives us the, the perfect way to tell your story. Can you take us back to some of these adversities? We always like to ask people, how did adversity shape your life? Well, I think Choose to Rise, the stories that you share, is probably just that. So if you could kind of take us back to the things you decided to write about. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, it goes back to high school. 
-hmm. And that's where, you know, I felt very burnt out from soccer. I was a soccer and a softball player burnt out in soccer. And I knew that I wanted to play another sport. I didn't know what it was. And then I was led into field hockey. Mm -hmm. So started playing field hockey, instantly fell in love with it. And then my junior year, there was a rumor that was started about me. And the rumor was so bad that I couldn't go to school without headphones in uh -huh. because there would be men moaning at me and touching themselves inappropriately because of this rumor that people thought was true. Oh, no. It wasn't, but it didn't matter if I said this isn't true because it's high school. Right, right, right. And we all know how high school can yeah. be. And so I couldn't go to school without headphones in. Yeah. But that still didn't take away what I saw. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. it's okay, I blocked out the noise, but I still had to walk to class and see these things. And so it was just, I had to keep showing up. I couldn't tell my parents what was going on. And not that I couldn't tell them, it was also that I didn't want to tell them because mm -hmm. I felt so embarrassed yeah. that I didn't want to go to my parents and say, hey, I'm being severely bullied in school. Yeah. And it got to a point I couldn't even eat lunch in the cafeteria. I was eating lunch in the guidance counselor's office or my field hockey coach's office or the bathroom by myself or just not eating and pretty much hiding in the bathroom because I could not be around these people. Yeah. So then it, Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah, of course. I mean, back then, you know, you you face that challenge with headphones in, you know, you just try to avoid the people. And I think that's a good strategy now that you're an adult and you've learned so much you know we just read your credentials um how would you have approached it differently no i wouldn't have headphones in no what i know now back then would not have had headphones in i would have spoken up mm -hmm. i wouldn't have stayed silent at oh, all okay if oh. i were to go back in time i would have spoken up immediately i would have told my parents immediately i would have told guidance counselors I would have just spoken up in yeah. general. Yeah, it's just a good lesson, you know, so parents that are listening that have kids that are struggling or kids, if you're listening and you're struggling, uh, that's a good piece of advice. So, OK, I, I just I just had to ask that. I <laughs> no, that feel, feel free, feel okay. free. But the senior when I was a junior, the senior that I was rumored with when he had graduated, I texted him and I said, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, thank you. I still want to be friends. And I said, no. I don't want anything to do with you. What you did was disgusting, but I'm forgiving you not for you, but for me, because wow. I need to be able to move on in my life and be able to learn from this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I read a good quote one day and it said, forgive others, not because they deserve it, but because you deserve to be set free from it. Right. You know, mm -hmm. like that unforgiveness can just eat away at us. So, uh, very mature thing. You were only yeah, one yeah. year out of, no, you weren't even out of high school. No, he I was, graduated. He graduated. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I still had one more year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So after he graduated and I entered my senior year, that is when I really took off with field hockey and knew that I was going to play in college and I was getting recruited, but I knew I only want to play one sport and I knew that was field hockey and I want to play at the division three level. And with that came all of these accolades that I was receiving. Mm -hmm. And with that, some of my friends or who I thought were my friends at the time started bullying me again, saying, well, you only won this because you're the coach's pet. Uh, and so it was 
you know, trying to deal with that and navigate high school. And that's, that's just my last year. And I'm like, I just, I just got to survive. I just got to get through this. And then I can go off to college and really step there. Mm. And so it was just pushing through. But again, you know, if you could go back in time, be like, no, you know, that that's not true. Right. And it's, yeah. it's unfortunate, yeah. but I was lucky enough to be recruited by a lot of schools. And I ended up choosing to go to Springfield college. Mm-hmm. And when I went off to Springfield college, thinking that I can just run away from all of my problems yeah. when in reality, and I didn't know this yet, you can't run away from your problems because if you don't attack those head on, they're going to follow you. Right. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. So I get to Springfield college and I have a unfortunate season ending injury. Yeah. I was taken out by the goalkeeper and I landed on my back and my stick had gone into my spine. Oh. So I instantly thought I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. Wow. I couldn't move. And then that in that moment is when I thought of the term rise because I not only physically had to get up, but just mentally, emotionally, spiritually had to rise up. Mm-hmm. And that's where the term rise came from for me. And that is why it's a mantra that I live by. Yeah. Rise up, rise up. We like to, we like that. We have it on our shirts. Let me ask you um, a couple of questions about that. First of all, I mean, I have an idea. I, I think that the reason that the kids probably wanted to say that you got this because you're the coach's pet is because if they can't accomplish something, they want to take away from your accomplishments mm-hmm. or it makes them feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, do you think that that's, that's why, or. I agree with that. I think a little jealousy in life is normal, right. but when it gets nasty, that's when it's a problem. Right. And I think the people in our lives that are haters or doubters or naysayers, they're that because they don't have the same work ethic. Mm-hmm. And so I'm getting all this because I busted my butt and not only just had practice, I would go home and I would go and play in the street with my neighbor or my dad. And I would work on my skills. I would watch TV and dribble And so I'm doing these things outside of what I'm supposed to be doing in order to be successful. And those other people weren't, and it showed by the things that they were saying. So I absolutely agree with what you said. And you said something else. that was uh, very profound. You went on to school Mm -hmm. and because you hadn't yet handled that, that you were still susceptible to it. It's almost like you hadn't built up a defense against it. So because you don't build up a defense against something, it can attack you again. And so so how do you how do you advise how do you what kind of advice do you give to people that are going through similar things that you know hey you know you think you're going to go on to college and get rid of this but if you don't learn to handle yourself differently then you're still in trouble right yeah i think that people need to really do a deep dive into themselves and what they want out of their life especially at a young age and throughout our lives i think that if you don't put the work into yourself that's when all these things are going to almost almost like a domino effect and tumble out of control. And I think that unfortunately that wasn't something that I did until later on while I was at Springfield, I started journaling. And then that's where I really made a lot of progression in my life was journaling and visually seeing what I'm putting on a piece of paper. Mm And then from there, be like, oh, I really didn't heal from this like I thought that I did. Do you think that journaling is the beginning of healing? I do, because I think even just taking that step to journaling, Mm -hmm. no one's forcing you to write these things down. You're writing them down. Right. And then what you're seeing, you wrote it down. 
Nobody wrote that down for you. So I think actually seeing that and acknowledging it, that is the first step to healing. I think you learn so much through Mm -hmm. journaling. Yeah. And I mean, we have to process, we have to process to heal and and in sometimes processing means talking to a professional. Sometimes processing means let me just write this down. You know, let me just yell. Let me, you know, talk it out. You know, you can talk to yourself, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be. But that is the beginning of processing to kind of gather your thoughts about how you're feeling. Yeah. Really good. So, you know, when we talked about, uh, you know, obviously we're talking about the bullying and it is heartbreaking. But there's some other things you were talking about in your uh description here for the book and it talks about burnout abuse invisible illness family struggles take us there if you would yeah so when i suffered that season-ending injury what happened was it progressively got worse over the years and was never diagnosed they just thought season-ending injury you hurt your back Mm -hmm. that's it well after my season-ending injury i ended up quitting the team at springfield Mm. and because i quit the team I didn't have my outlet anymore. I didn't have field hockey anymore. So I was like, can I really see myself here? Did I make a mistake? And then I was like, I really made a mistake coming here because I only came here for field hockey. I didn't come here because of the school. I didn't come here because of the major. I came here strictly to play field hockey and I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. And so from there, getting ready to transfer, I was like, you know what? I want to play field hockey again. But because this injury was never diagnosed as to what it could be, I was just like, oh, okay, I hurt my back. You know, I'm taking a lot of time off. I'll be ready to go. I transfer, I play three years, and my body just shuts down. Mm. And all of these symptoms that I had, mass Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. And they constantly tested me. It was always negative. They're like, no, this is a false negative. Mm-hmm. They then thought I had fibromyalgia, Mm -hmm. but I was like, I don't have all of these pressure points, but something is wrong with my body and it's shutting down. Mm -hmm. And what happened was after one 6am practice, I put my hands on my knees and I always would feel it come on. It was like a sharp shooting pain and numbness that would go down my left arm into my fingertips. They even tested my heart just Mm -hmm. to make sure everything was fine. So at the 6am practice, I felt this come on and I was like, nope, take your best shot. Let's see what this is. I don't know what it is but I was always instructed to stop when I felt it, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. So I put my hands on my knees and my whole body locked up. Mm. I couldn't get up. I couldn't get down. Wow. And so from there, it was very scary. And I had teammates crying. The trainers had to come off and carry me off the field with our goalkeeper and lay me down on the track. And it took them two hours to get me to stand up and be able to walk. Wow. So that I can attend my classes that day. And it was at that moment in time, people were like, oh, this is this is serious. Yeah. Because I was told, oh, it's depression. It's all in your mm. head. There's right. nothing wrong. Like, no, I'm an athlete. I've been an elite athlete since I was eight. Mm. I know something's wrong with my body. My career ends. Mm. I feel like probably about six months later, I went to a chiropractor with my mom mm. and he was adjusting me. He was poking around. He goes, you know, it's everything been all right. I was like, no, actually. And I told him <laughs> right? the things that were going yeah. on with my actually, body. Not too good. Yeah. And he goes, Jenna, that's not anything that they said. You have chronic thoracic outlet syndrome. I go, what is that? Right. Right. So he starts listing off symptoms and I'm like, Oh, check, check, check. Mm. I had all of these symptoms 
And he was like, I'm sorry, but you are so lucky that you don't have another season or I would have to just redshirt you. You, you can't play. Right. And so because it was never treated and diagnosed, it went undiagnosed for so many years that I progressively made this so much worse that originally he said, you can't run. You can't participate mm-hmm. in any strenuous physical activity. You can't lift. And I was like, okay, watch me. Right. And he was like, no, Jenna, you need to take this seriously. And I was like, I hear you, but my body's not made of glass. Like I can do these things. Right. Okay. I understand. I got to take it easy right now and build myself back up, but I'm going to do it. Right, right. Right. And so thoracic outlet syndrome is something that I'm still living with, even though they told me you can't do these things or you have to get surgery because you only have a few major flare ups left. And then we'll have to take out your first rip. Yeah. I was like, nope. My ribs Take are staying Take out your in. first rib. Take out wow. my first rib. Wow. Yep. So I'm still living with it. All my ribs are still perfectly intact because I, you know, I push through and I understand my limits and I learn to discipline myself. And you know, I'm not a superhero. I don't need to push myself to these extremes. And so it's something that I had to learn. But you know, when it comes to an invisible illness, it's still something that I'm living with. It's still something that affects me mm-hmm. to this day. Yeah. And it's something that. I have to conquer and choose to rise from. Yeah. So it was definitely a major setback in my life and still is. But thoracic outlet syndrome, how how common is that? I mean, that's very that, rare. Yeah, I was gonna say it's yeah, first I've never heard of that. Yeah. yeah, it's very rare. So some people that have thoracic outlet syndrome are born with it. Mm-hmm. So they're born with an extra rib. Other people get it from a traumatic injury. And that was Springfield. If you had it to do over again. Uh, you know, because it took you years to get this diagnosed. Uh, would you say that you should go to multiple different because you found out from a chiropractor? Mm-hmm. So should it have been, you know, if one person doesn't know the answer, go to a different type of professional? Or I mean, is that what you might have done different? Or Yeah, I mean, the thing is, throughout the years, because I had other things going on, like I tore my meniscus, it was I just thought it was back pain. Mm-hmm. Originally, yeah, sure. you know, when I transferred, I just thought it was back pain. I was like, Oh, well, I'm a field hockey player. It's just back pain. Right. But then when it took a turn before my preseason of my senior year, and I'm going to all these doctors, you know, you're, you're trusting the doctors, mm-hmm. right? you know, doctors know best. Right. But the thing is, I'm glad that I continue to advocate for myself. And not just sit back like, you're right, I'm depressed. Yeah. Or, yeah, right. it is in my head. I am glad that I continued to advocate for myself. I wish at that moment in time, I would have done exactly what you said, advocated just a little bit more sure. and saying like, okay, this doctor says this, this doctor says the same thing as this doctor. Maybe I should go see someone else. Mm-hmm. But it's, I don't think in that moment in time, it's something that we think of like, okay, let no. me go to a chiropractor. Or let me like see a physical therapist, but those people are very intelligent. And I think we don't give them enough credit for what they do because a chiropractor is the one that diagnosed me. And if I didn't go, I would not have known that. And I would Mm -hmm. just still be living in question. Yeah. And, you know, Overcomer Nation, the reason I asked Jenna this question isn't because she could have done anything different at that time. But if you're suffering right now and maybe it's a surgeon that doesn't have the answer, maybe it's a physical therapist that doesn't have the answer, maybe it's a chiropractor that doesn't have the answer, maybe it's your general practitioner, you know, go to somebody else that just looks at it from a different perspective, because when you get multiple sets of eyes on something, you can start to find an answer. So who haven't you visited yet about your issue? I think that's an important thing. So you get diagnosed and you would have been redshirted, but you're no longer playing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are still 
on here, you know, as far as invisible illness and mm -hmm. abuse and, mm -hmm. well, what you got abused too a little bit when it comes to the way that you were treated in school, mm -hmm. that is a terrible, traumatic thing. But uh, share with us a bit more, if you would, about, you know, some of these things that you've overcome yeah, on our Overcomers okay. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So I was also in a very unhealthy, toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. We started dating the summer before going into college and we did the long distance. We dated for about four and a half years. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately we were both still like growing as people and it didn't work out. But the thing was we didn't let go of each other. Mm -hmm. And I gave him the power to control me and mm -hmm. control everything that I do and what I, what I think. And it destroyed me as a person. I looked at myself in the mirror one day and I didn't recognize who I was. And I never thought that I would be the girl that would have a guy have that much influence on my life. But it got to a point where I wasn't eating. Mm -hmm. I started to lie about where I was. I would tell him I'm going to the gym, but in reality, I'm going into my bed to take a nap. So I don't have to talk to him for two hours. Mm -hmm. And I, I never thought that I would do something like that. I had a very poor relationship, not only with food, but with my friends and my family. And I was losing friends mm -hmm. and I was getting very snippy and mad at my family, mm -hmm. which is not like me. I'm very family oriented. Mm -hmm. And so this person had all of this power because I gave it to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. You know, especially when we're younger, relationships can be so unhealthy, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of codependence, a lot of control, uh, things such as that. Uh, you know, we learn from that, though. We, mm -hmm. we learn to find our own voice. Uh, you know, if you could go back and, you know, revisit that relationship, uh, you know, how would you have how would you have handled it differently? If I were to go back I, as the person I am now, I don't think you would yeah. have given this person the time of day. Isn't that true? Right. right? right? The healthier we are, like we attract who we are. Right. right. Quite often, the people that we choose has a lot to do with how we feel about mm -hmm. ourselves. So first thing you'd probably do is fix yourself. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. But I also think going back to everything with high school, not healing from that, right. Then jumping into this relationship, yeah. not healed. Mm -hmm. That also played a role in it because, you know, you are the sum of who you surround yourself with. Yeah. And, it, you know, because I was so in lack of a better word, damaged from that, mm -hmm. then I attracted what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a, a really difficult relationship that went on for four, four and a half years, four and a half years of your life. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, I, I think about, I, I watch young people have these relationships all the time and, you know, they, they go from, uh, you know, first they meet and next thing you know, they're just so consumed with each other. And then of course you're fighting all the time because you're suffocating one another, you know, I mean, it's just, well, I think, you know, things were so different years ago. Um, with the cell phones now and you know just the internet and pictures that are posted and it's just in the constant contact that somebody can have with you i know you know when i was young like if i was going to a friend's house and i may have had a boyfriend like they can't call me at my right. friend's house you mm -hmm. know because so i think now it's just it's kids struggle with with being controlled if there is someone that's a little bit uh overpowering mm -hmm. they you know they know every single second what you're doing where you are and uh it's constant contact like that yeah. it's uh yeah it's yeah. tough for kids these these days i think and the relationship the relationship that we have 
with other people uh, or the relationship that we have with a significant other affected all your other relationships. It did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're cutting off friends and, mm -hmm. you know, having issues with your family and all mm -hmm. that, you know, is that interesting, but it all starts with you. Exactly. You have to be healthy to choose a healthy relationship. But if you are unhealthy and caught up in your main nucleus relationship is unhealthy, then the relationships you have with all the other people are unhealthy. Correct. That's a big boy. Tune in, Overcomer Nation. Is there somebody in your life that's having an unhealthy relationship? It really starts with them becoming healthy. So then that way they can have healthy relationships. And therefore, even the little splinter relationships, the ones that they don't see so often, those will become healthier too. You know, that's really, mm -hmm. that's a, that's a big revelation. So um, it, was that what you meant by family struggles in your? No, not exactly. No. So my brother and I are very close. Mm -hmm. And when he graduated high school, he went into the Navy. And while he was in the Navy, he was stationed in Virginia. And I knew that he was struggling in his life. But at the time, it was just the typical high school struggling. He was also bullied mm -hmm. and he also didn't feel like he fit in with our small town. And, you know, everybody knows everybody and everybody talks, everybody knows your business. So when he finally got out, he found his niche, mm -hmm. but he was still struggling. And it got to a point where it was so bad that I got concerned and I told my parents and because they started reaching out to him, he pulled away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he wanted nothing to do with us. And he wanted to cut out his entire family. Mm. And unfortunately, there was a point in his life where he felt like he had nobody and he intended to take his own life. Oof. And thankfully, I was able because I did all this through the phone. I was the middleman when this mm -hmm. happened. And it was weird because it was that morning I woke up, I was driving to work and I was like, something's not right. Just the day feels off something's wrong and so i felt the need to text my brother and i said hey i know things have been rough i'm gonna take off work we're gonna have like a brother sister weekend i'll drive down we'll do whatever and he's like i'm at work do you mind if i text you later yeah no problem but i felt a little sense of comfort that he texted me back right and all of a sudden i just get a text and all it says is i love you and then i get a text from a phone number in virginia that i don't have saved so i start freaking out mm. and the person on the other end of the phone was one of his friends. She said she got this very concerning text and I start calling my brother. I start texting him and no answer. Mm. And so it's a matter of I'm not even there and I'm trying to save my brother's life through a cell phone. Yeah. So I'm calling my parents. Now they're freaking out. Nobody can get in contact with him. I can't even call his roommates because he was living off base at this time. And one of his roommates was deployed mm. and the other one was at work and I didn't have his contact information. So his friend sent me the contact information. I'm trying to get in contact with him and still no one can get in contact with my brother. Thankfully, the girl that I was on the phone with got in contact with him. And I said, whatever you do, I don't care what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You stop and you keep him on the phone until his roommate gets there. Mm -hmm. And thankfully she did. He got there. He took the gun away. And wow. my brother Jeez. was saved from that day. Wow. Wow. What a a horrific experience i mean to face that with somebody that you love so much you know the suicides we we've been through it we've been through it um we were just mm -hmm. interviewed about it um you know with our daughter uh, attempted suicides it's uh it's 
and is that what we're talking about here when we're talking about invisible illness? I mean, you mm, just don't, yes. you know, you can see when somebody's sick physically, but sometimes you just don't see it mentally. And these are the things that can take their life too, mm-hmm. you know? And it didn't stop there. Yeah. Because when he got out of the Navy and he was back home living in Connecticut, there was one day where he just asked us, you know, what is everybody doing today? And that didn't trigger a flag for me because at the time we, as a family thought everything was going very well. Mm. He was getting used to being back in this environment and getting involved. And so when he asked us what we were doing, my dad was off at work. My mom and I both had the day off and we were just out running errands. Mm. We were like, Oh, you know, heading here. Do you want anything? No. All right. See you in a little bit. And all of a sudden we get a phone call from my aunt saying that my brother posted a suicide letter on Facebook and now no one can get in contact with him again. Oh boy. And so it was a matter of calling all of my neighbors. And thankfully, one of them was sitting outside with him. And my brother called the cops on himself. Wow. He called them. He on called himself. the cops on himself. Amen. Yes. How is your brother doing today? Like what, what is he doing to, you know, get help or, you know, maintain? I mean, that's an illness. Depression is an illness. Yeah. It's an invisible enemy. It's one that's not as visible as a lot of other things that you can see that's going on with somebody. And um, is he approaching it from a better place today? He is. Yeah. He is. He's in school for something that he's very passionate about. Okay. He's finishing up his last semester as we speak and he reached out and got help. Uh, mm-hmm. See, it's all about finding some purpose, purpose beyond ourselves, right? You know, like if we can get in touch with that thing that we're, we're meant to do that thing that we're passionate about, we can start to look beyond ourselves and that can help us to get beyond a, an illness called depression and, that can lead to suicide. Um, so choose to rise, choose to rise. Let's talk about it. What do you, what do you hope for people to get out of your book? I mean, there's, you've overcome a lot. You've yeah. overcome a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, we go back to the high school, to the bullying and, and to the injuries and uh, to the relationship struggles and to dealing with family members uh, of attempted suicide, the invisible illness of depression. I'm sure you had your own depression mm-hmm. at different times with the injuries Absolutely. and whatnot. Um, and you wrote this book to be vulnerable, to share with an intention that people would get uh, some things out of your book. What do you hope for Absolutely. people to get just, out of your book? I just want to help one person. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the goal with this book was to just help one person because then that one person will help one person to help one person. And then, you know, it's just a strong ripple effect mm-hmm. of help and healing. And that's what I want people to get out of this. And I feel like, my story, you know, with different severities and different situations, I just feel like everyone can connect to something in my book, mm-hmm. whether you are the person dealing with mental health and suicidal ideations, or you're the family member, because that also affects family just as much as it does that person. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like there's something in my book for everyone, even though it was written with the young women parents in mind everyone can benefit from reading this story because we all need to choose to rise in our lives because like you just said a while ago it starts with you yeah it starts with you yeah and until you conquer everything in your life and you make the choice to choose to rise no one's going to make you do that no one's going to do that for you you have to make that choice yeah we're going to give you guys in just a, a minute or so ways to get in touch with jenna 
But if you read, if you read Choose to Rise and you're that one person where it's helped you, uh, we're going to give you a way to let Jenna know because that's her purpose in writing this book. And, and I think that's an awesome purpose. I think that's really good. Uh, so, you know, when it comes to uh, the benefits of the book, the purpose of the book, you know, uh, Choose to Rise, and you identified an audience there, you said, you know, if you're a young woman, uh, you know, that's what I really wanted to ask, like, the listeners today, they should probably give this book to somebody if they're being bullied right now, if they're a girl in high school that's having uh, rumors spread about them. Um, you know, who else, who else do you want to just say, you know, Hey, let, let me give you a little list here. Right. If, if you're facing this, read this book. If you're facing this, read that book. Can you do that for? Yes. I mean, if mental health, bullying, burnout, whether that's in your profession or in your sport, family struggles, personal development, athletics, mm -hmm heartbreak, relationships, whether that being relationships with a significant other or your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad, anybody. Mm -hmm. How much of, how much of the coach, how much of the, the psychology degree, how much of the uh, applied, applied human behavior uh, comes out in the book for people to, you know, gain perspective. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. And I think the way I tell the story, it's, pretty much what I'm thinking at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. And then it almost just like does a full circle and wraps around and the advice that you gain with each chapter, because I don't wait just until the end. Right. I give it throughout the whole story. So there's a lot of behavioral things and advice and inspiration that comes with each chapter. So problem, solution, problem, problem solution. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. I definitely want my daughter to read this book. I, I want other people that we know to read this book. Yeah. This is awesome. This is awesome. Anything else uh, that you'd like to share with our audience? Any you know words of wisdom, inspiration, uh, having to do with this book or otherwise? I think the biggest piece of advice that I would have is to just be vulnerable. Yeah. Be vulnerable because that is a very key emotion that we're all afraid of. Mm -hmm. But vulnerability is a key to success to growing and to healing. So at the end of the day, be vulnerable and step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Because the comfort zone kills. Yeah. And nothing great has ever come from being in your comfort zone. The comfort zone kills. <laughs> that's, good. that's good. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to step out of your comfort zone. I mean, I wouldn't be at Fitness Quest 10 if I didn't step out of my comfort zone. Sure. I would yeah. still be home in Connecticut. But, you know, there's other things in my life as well like writing this book, if I didn't step out of my comfort zone, this wouldn't be in everyone's hands. We wouldn't be sitting in this room together having this yeah. conversation at all. Yeah. So definitely step out of your comfort zone. It's scary, but it's worth it. Yeah. I like yeah. that. When you said the comfort, I liked everything you just said, but the comfort zone kills. What does the comfort zone kill? Think about that for a second. Staying in your comfort zone kills your dreams because your dreams are outside of your comfort zone. You have to stretch you have to be vulnerable like Jenna is, you know, Jenna's vulnerable with our audience today. And thank you for that. You're vulnerable in your book and your stories that you share. I'm sure that there's a lot of uh, feelings and emotions that you go through in that book. And, and that's just being vulnerable, you know, being beyond success begins at the end of your comfort zone. Another good quote, right? That's great. Quote. Yeah. So if people want to follow you, if they want to reach out to you, well, most importantly, if they want to get the book too, right? You know, so let's, let's talk about how they can get the book. And let's talk about how they can follow up with you and let you know that they were that one person, that this has changed their life, it's made them 1% better, and that they're going to choose to rise. 
Absolutely. So you can actually find the book on Amazon as an ebook or a paperback. Just make sure when you search Choose to Rise that the I in Rise is actually number one oh. to get 1% better every day. Oh, yes. very cool. Very cool. I like that. Okay. All right. Yeah. So make sure that you just change the spelling. The I is actually number one in Rise. Choose to Rise on Amazon as a paperback or an ebook. And if you would like to reach out or follow me, my Facebook is just Jenna Mango and my Instagram is jmang13. That's J-M-A-N-G-G-G-1-3. And I absolutely love hearing from you. And I love hearing how the book has impacted you or what you've learned or what you recognize about yourself. And I, I just love hearing from you. I love hearing that you're passing the book along. So please feel free to reach out. I absolutely love it. And uh, anything else uh, on the horizon for you? Just a final note, like do you plan to take this book and speak to young girls with it or, uh, you know, what, what's your hope for the future? Absolutely. So there is going to be a second book in the future, mm -hmm. but as of right now, I'm enjoying every single moment, especially with this book, doing more public speaking, going on more podcasts, just to get my story out there. And so that's, that's yeah. where I'm at currently right now is sharing my story a lot more. Yeah. So if you have someone that you want to book Jenna, for public speaking, uh, you know, and you've probably done virtual these days too. Yes. So yeah. you don't have to be in California to book Jenna, right? You know, you can book her, she can come to you, she can come to you virtually, but there's a lot of great topics that you just covered from relationships to, you know, bullying and, you know, suicide, the invisible illness, all sorts of things. And, and read the book, figure out every chapter of problem solution, and then figure out how Jenna can help your community. So really Absolutely. good. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for letting me be on the show. <laughs> awesome. Thank awesome. you so much. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com.